Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here and checking out the series. Of course, you know what to do if you like what you see and what you hear. Hit that subscribe button, please. I do three new interviews every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. All the usual spaces, including Spotify and uh, Apple Podcast, at NPR, YouTube for the video versions, WFPK.org, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, recent episodes that we've had up have included uh, my guests, uh, Carly Pierce, Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age, uh, John Roberts, who uh, does the voice of Linda Belcher on Bob's Burgers. Uh, we had uh, Dave Davies of The Kinks, the band Inhaler, Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam, the cast of City on Fire on Apple TV Plus, and, uh, and much, much more. That's only some recent episodes uh, that have been on the Kyle Meredith with podcast right here. And that's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, we're going to be talking about the movie Extraction 2, now out on Netflix. Uh, Golshifte Farahani, uh, the uh, lead actress, and director Sam Hargrave are stopping by. We're going to talk about... So So the movie, it stars Chris Hemsworth. We had the uh, the first one just a few years ago. It The first one was one of the most incredible, you know, to-the-wall action movies that I have ever seen. These amazing camera shots, these one-shotters that just went on and on for like 20 minutes. And with this great story and great acting, so we're going to be, I want to hear what it's been like to have this as a success on a global scale. Not just not just what it's been like, but what that actually means to have it connecting across so many different cultures. We'll talk about the musicality and rhythm of both the movies and how it manages also to touch on childhood trauma amidst all of the big action movie blow up stuff. Uh, Gul Shifte is going to tell us about uh, playing a strong character who's able to keep her uh, femininity without being sexualized and how there's already a prequel script focused on her backstory. And uh, her and Sam are going to discuss what it's like to shoot and act in those films, now legendary one-shot extended scenes that I was just alluding to. And we get a tease about this world building that they're doing. Uh, not only is there a sequel, but they, it's already setting itself up for a third one. And they're talking about the prequels and the spinoffs. So there's a lot to go on. So we'll hear about um, uh, where the franchise goes from here. So all that and more, we're talking Extraction 2 with Golshifte Farahani and Sam Hargrave. Hi, Kyle. It's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, especially... Um, with such another incredible project under your belt with Extraction 2. 
I mean, maybe we'll just start at the top. I mean, when did, you know, uh, that first one ended, it, it could have been a sequel. It might not have been, but uh, we're so happy it did. When did you know that there was going to be a second? Well, when they did the first one, they didn't want to do any sequel. It was just a one-stand movie. And then I think because of the success of the first one, they said they're going to do the second one. And I came to know it like quite late. And uh, they just said, yeah, you need to come in early, two months early for the training. So I knew that they're bringing the characters onto the field of fighting. So that was it. I, I got to know that, whoa, we're doing two and maybe three and God knows prequels and sequels. And so it was exciting. Seeing you all out on the world tour promoting this, you know, going from, from city to city and country to country, it just sort of cements that, you know, it's much more than an action movie. It, like, and I don't know exactly what it is to you, but it feels like it gets to be something more than just an action movie, that it's speaking on this global scale. What, what does that part, uh, what, what does that part mean to you? What does it say? Well, I think the most interesting thing about this action movie is that um, it's also engage the audience emotionally, is that now these days, action movies that are incredible, also with VFX and everything, you watch the movie, nothing moves in you. There is no sensation, there is no empathy, there is no question about the characters. You just watch something as if you're watching something on TikTok and then consume. you consumed it and that's it. You don't think about them anymore. But this one, I think that it has something that... It is an incredible action movie. There is not much V effect in it because they did so many of those action scenes, like they landed the helicopter on that moving train. Um, but also you get to engage emotionally, which I think this is a part I am really proud of because I'm coming from the independent cinema where people only engage emotionally if you manage. And of course it can get boring because there is no action sometimes, but this one, there is an action movie that there is this touch of, um, touch of basically connection between the, the story and the, and the characters and the audience which I'm very proud of. And I think that's probably it. And I would say also Netflix is that today, I don't know if we can call anything Hollywood anymore because what is Hollywood today? Now Netflix, what we have done here, everyone is foreigners. Nobody's from America. Everyone is coming from all over the world. So I think somehow the world is coming together in these projects. And that's why also we're going all over the world from Philippines to Prague to Madrid, Berlin, now here, Brazil. To, to take this movie because it's something that suddenly so many millions in this world can watch it. And it's not, it's not from a specific place. We are all foreigners. And also we are not foreigners. We are, we are the citizens of this, of this earth and we are working together, entertaining and also engaging emotions. So it's really moving. It's beautiful to be a part of this kind of project, I would say. Yeah, those little stories that you're talking about, too. After watching, of course, now two of them, the thread that I started pulling is like it ended up saying something about childhood trauma that I didn't expect. I mean, of course, we had that in the first one. And of course, with uh, with, uh, you know, Hemsworth's own backstory and, and losing his child. But in the kids that get to be in this and what they're dealing with. Was that as obvious to you all when you're making the story that it ends up sort of speaking in that very specific way like that? You mean the fact that the kids are going through the same thing as his past? Yeah, it is sort of because both time we do have kids involved and they are dealing with these very, very complex emotions. 
I think there's something I was talking to Chris about it. It's funny that there are kids involved. You, as if like these villains are so bad and ruthless, even though he kills maybe thousands of minions in the extraction one, he's still saving one kid. And that is, that is our hero. He's killing so many people, but he's saving that one child. And I think it's something that is tied to Tyler Rake. And I would say to these villains, because we are a bunch of villains, we are gun dealers, we are killers, we are ruthless killers. Um, we are not morally justified at all, but we go on missions to save families and save kids. So there are in these gray areas where you can justify their their ruthlessness somehow because they're actually doing something amazing, saving kids. And also in this one, of course, they, these kids are, per, it goes more personal because they're somehow his family. But I would say, yeah, I don't know if, if in the third one they're going to also bring a kid to save. I don't know. But yeah, when you bring kids in, somehow you buy credibility and you, buy, you can like wash your sins, you know, wash all the people that you're killing because you're saving the kids. And we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Golshifte Farahani. When you've got a character like you're playing, like you're you're not cold by any means, but there seems like there would have to be a detachment because of what you've dealt with, the things that you have seen. Like, how how do you want to play her? How how did you want to play her? I think the thing is, she is a very strong, incredible. She's a, she has an empire. She's very strong. Maybe sometimes I ask myself, she has so much money that she doesn't need money to go on these kind of missions. Maybe it's just her liking to do these kind of things because she doesn't need it at all. And now maybe she gets involved for Tyler. She does it for him, really. At the same time, you see that. There, she's not a love interest and she's not sexualized. She's this powerful warrior that for once in the history of cinema, maybe, we don't care if it's a woman or a man, she's not sexualized. She's not in love with him, but at the same time, she's ready to die for him. So um, I forgot your question. I don't know where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> You're really just talking about how you like to play. I was talking about that detachment. Oh, how you like to play? And yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. And she is, she is cold. She's ruthless. She's strong. At the same time, you see when she goes and see this kid, she's a woman. So when she's fighting, she's fighting like a warrior and she's ready to die. But but she's a woman for being this ruthless warrior. She doesn't look like men. She keeps her femininity, even her fight on the train has this feminine touch, which is so round and curved comparing to men fighting. She keeps this very fine, defined uh, movements in her fight even. Um, but she's as ruthless and brutal as all the other men. She's just kept her femininity. And she's a woman when she goes and see uh, uh, Ketevan and the kid, you see that, wow, she's actually a woman, which is very beautiful. That is something I was really, I wanted to, to be there, to stay there. Yeah, it's got me really interested. Like we see a little bit of where Tyler is coming from. Why, we know from the beginning why he's pushed in the way that he's pushed, but I haven't exactly seen why, why you're pushed in the way, you know, like I'm hoping we kind of get that backstory at, at some point. Is that something that you know about or something that you, that, you know, as an actor you create? Uh, well, there is a script for her and where she's coming from. So this script exists actually for a prequel. 
um, we, I have an idea where she's coming from. I think she's coming from that grief and pain, that, and that's where her and Tyler uh, relate and connect to each other in their past story. Not that Tyler exists in her childhood or her teenage time and the, the process she's coming from, from where she's coming from, but she's coming from a very, very dark place. And she made her way through somehow to this empire that she she built. So uh, that's what, what I say is that w what I love about her so much is all this mystery and everything we don't know about her because she is this exceptional character we rarely have, uh, like a hero warrior that is not sexualized. It's not... It's a very feminine one, but not feminine because somebody loves her or she loves somebody because she's just feminine at the same time, very ruthless. So I love everything we don't know about her and I hope that we will get to explore uh, her story because it's actually very interesting where she's coming from. Well, the rhythm, the whole thing, of course, the one camera shots, as everybody likes to talk about, the way it follows you and follows every actor. What I mean, what is it like to act with those long 20 minute nonstop scenes? Because we hear about, you know, choreography being a big part, of course, of acting. But this really does feel like like a dance. Oh, my God. It's a killer. I mean, we said we had to prepare uh, our body like our like physical training and martial arts and two months of training like athletes but I think what we were really getting ready was m our mental health to be able to do those things because when you're doing a oneer, every take needs to be good enough so they can move on everything that goes wrong in one take they have to do it again and again and again because they need that good enough they never say perfect but good enough so that they can stitch it they can move on and if that one take happens to be a take that you have to run for 300, 400 meters, you need to run 50 times and you have to keep running. So you have to be mentally prepared like a monk, like a soldier of cinema, dedicating your body and mind to this scene where there are so many elements that need to be perfect from kids, other actors, camera, explosions, cars, stitches, end of it. Like it is, I can't, tell you what to what point it pushes you where you at the like the 50th take you're like I cannot move anymore just give me a moment to sit but you can't you have to keep going so I think this project really pushed all of us not only me but even Chris was talking about it to like some really really uh, limits of a human like um, acting capacity because it's it wasn't only mental emotional but it was physical on the physical level was exhausting well it is beautifully done and it does feel like a dance at some point i mean there is a musicality to this whole movie there's a you know uh sam was also talking about it too there is a musicality to the languages that come out in it and i, I was able to you know the the way it the rhythm is you know hardcore with the action and then drops down to tell the story and knowing that that's part of your background too and i talk about the music do you find that that's that, that you incorporate that into when you're acting absolutely i think music and rhythm it's something that really helped me in this industry because it's all about rhythm the moments the the scenes that i love it's all about when everything is in the right rhythm because when you don't get that rhythm i mean right when you look at incredible actors of this world like 
Daniel Day-Lewis, Al Pacino, they have a rhythm that is just perfect. The moment they move their arm, the moment they move their head, it's just that that music of their body, the dialogues and everything that it comes together. And of course, this movie is the same thing. It's like those moments of down to be able to breathe again and then how it goes up again. For me, cinema is all about rhythm and the movies that you see that it's not working because the rhythm, either it's the rhythm of emotions or rhythm of the scenes or rhythm of the totality of the movie that is not working. Well, thankfully in this one, I think the rhythm came together somehow to create a symphony that is like an act. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines, some of them, work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Action entertainment movie at the same time it engages you, engages you like uh, emotionally, which is quite rare because these days action movies it can be really some um, incredible scenery like you're watching like a game, but you don't engage as if like you're watching a scene on TikTok. Well, this one you manage to engage emotionally. Uh, the audience is there wanting to know more about the the characters and everything. And I think this is the biggest achievement of this particular action movie. It is beautifully done. I cannot wait to see where this story goes to. I've loved watching your work in the past movies and, and on that new La Lorna EP. I've loved hearing what you've done musically out there as well. Uh, Extraction 2 is so good. Thank you so much for Thank taking you. the time to talk Thank about it. Thank you very it. much. Thank you. And we'll be right back right after this. Now, as I mentioned, also speaking with director Sam Hargrave. Hey, Kyle, how are you? I'm sure you're getting this uh, line a lot. Congratulations on Extraction 2. Lives up to the first one, which was no small feats. This is an incredible movie. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. 
Uh, you know, I, I know with these posters behind me, this is going to be an obvious way for me to start this. But I know as you're a music guy as well, I was thinking about these these two movies side by side. And I feel like like this is one of the great sophomore albums, which you don't <laughs> always get, you know, uh, and like a great sophomore album, it has to have its own style, but still probably has close connections to that debut. Uh, how, how did you want to walk that line on this one? That is a great analogy and an amazing question. Uh, well, the first movie, we had no idea, especially, you know, I had no idea how successful it would be, how much people would enjoy it. And so when you get the opportunity to direct a sequel, you, you kind of want to honor what it was about the first one that people really enjoyed and still differentiate the film so it stands alone and it's not a, a carbon copy of the original. So what we tried to do is, I think, Definitely step up the action and try to push that, you know, a, a couple notches, but then make sure that we were going deeper into the emotional connection and lives of the characters so that there was, because the first movie, there was, a, you know, a strong emotional core, but it was just enough, you know, to kind of get you through. So it was like to take that and all the things that we as artists and, and creators talked about, the backstory of what made Tyler Rake, Tyler Rake, and put that on screen because we talked, we knew a lot of that stuff but we got the small, like the tip of the iceberg in that first film. So like, how can we put more of that foundation up on screen? And you know, so that was a huge, important part of the, the, um, con the conceit of this film. But then visually, how do we differentiate it? Because the first movie took place in a part of the world that was very hot. And so we've had like an orange, like a warm feel to it. So how do we take this and take it to a different part of the world and now have a different visual look while keeping the same visual style as the, the first movie. So, you know, hopefully we, a lot of those things we succeeded in, but that was the goal, was to try to differentiate it from the, you know, the look and tone, but then also the emotional depth, and then to take the action up a notch. That was actually really noticeable, by the way, because coming off the first one, I mean, it's just, it's an insane balls-to-the-wall action, nonstop, almost, you know, I remember during that first one going, my God, how long have we been going? You know, without a break. And and when 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 the story, you know, after the first bit, because I think that's that sort of sets it up. But when the story starts hitting in the middle and, you know, and I'll continue to the analogy, it's like a set list. Yeah. Knowing when to drop the ballot in. Yeah, exactly. you know, th that seem a that seemed to be a part of it anyway. Like like the pacing. There is a musical rhythm to this movie. I think that's what I'm getting at. Well, I appreciate that because, yeah, I, I love music and I think action definitely has a musicality to it. That And there's an interesting parallel to the universal nature of each one of those languages, music and action. Because you, you can play a, a great piece of music anywhere in the world and people can be moved by it. And then I think with action, similarly, people might not understand you know, the words that are spoken on the scenes in between, but when that action hits, like when that rhythm drops, you can feel it and people you know, might start tapping their toes you know, and, and getting into it. So I think there's a, a definite parallel that I, I appreciate that you're onto. And and that is the thing too, because you guys have been on this world tour uh, with with the uh, the publicity, and and there is something about this movie. Like, sure, movies open outside of America, obviously, and they have big box office returns all around the world. But there seems to be something with this that maybe intentionally, maybe specifically, is speaking to something bigger. And and I don't want to put words in your mouth because I'm not even sure what that is myself, but. But what are you seeing, like the way it's connecting everywhere else that, and, and being able to tour the world like this on the, on the publicity part? It's an honor to be, able, to be 
that well received even in the the early stages like it's just just trailers out there just buzz and people are are really responding positively and i think truthfully i think a lot of that has to do with the universal language of action and the fact that the people are appreciating it's it's kind of a throwback i think to the to the movies of the 80s and hong kong style where we do see a little more of the action it's not in so close and choppy that it's really hard to you know, differentiate the moves and understand. It's like, um, you know, th there are the musicality of it is you, you do have moments where it slows down or, or goes back and you can really hear the instrumentation of the artist and appreciate that expertise. And I think people respond to that. And, and I think this movie as well, the emotional component and the relatability of this character, I think is, is very, now, not relating to you know being a complete badass and and you know stepping up and taking on armies of of villains, but the emotional relatability of having you know maybe done something or you know that having a, something in your past that you might not be the most proud of, and you, but you're learning and growing and trying to be better and make up for that. I think people can can you know relate to that on many levels. As a as a father, and and my son's now a teenager, but but even all the way back to movies like I was thinking like Legends of the Fall. When you have these father kid moments and the way that you find him, like, of course, we know his past, Rake's past and, 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 you know, dealing with his child, uh, the death of his child and everything, but how you start weaving those into now we have children in both movies, you know, and, and, and I think there was, I was wondering about that too. Like what this movie gets to speak for. Yes. It's an action movie. And yes, it's, it's, you know, talking about this global scale thing. But what does it speak to childhood trauma? Is that intentional or is that just sort of come in with it? Oh, for sure. I mean, like, from my point of view, you know, I, and on, on the writing side, I know there's, there's a certain level of that that I know Joe, I would imagine, speaks to. But I think for me as a director, we've all, whether it's capital T or lowercase t, all have their own versions of trauma, you know, in our childhoods. And that is kind of what shapes who we are and how we deal with that and, how, you know, kind of points us in a direction in life. And then later on, where the, if you haven't faced it before, at some point you're gonna come across, you know, those capital T or little T's, you're gonna come across them and, and have to confront them. And I think Tyler Rake is, is a, you know, is that, he's, he's coming across trauma that is both, now we haven't, and this is an interesting one for maybe another movie, but necessarily gone into his childhood, but you can see from, you know, where he is where he came from, if that makes sense. Because a lot of times you say, sh you know, show me, show me your behaviors in the present and I can show you your traumas of the past. And so I think we see a lot of who Tyler Rake is through what he's dealing with and how he dealt with, you know, those situations that we saw from the first movie. And that's going to be, I mean, uh, to, to, to handle that stuff in the right way, in some senses, you've got to be gentle when, when you're talking about this. In other senses, as we saw from the first movie, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to make light of this, but, you know, a kid gets thrown off of a roof, you know, <laughs> it's not the same thing. And I'm sorry to be laughing at that. But, you know, it, it it is these heavy emotional scenes. Like, how do you want to handle that? How do you want those moments to come across? I think as an artist, my job is to be truthful. You know, in those moments, I think it's yes, it can be hard. Yes, it can be scary. Yes, it can be traumatic. But I think, you know, truth is what can free up a lot of those stuck emotions so i think be, just being truthful with it when you approach it with the actors and say hey you know it, this this yes is a very intense scene we're dealing with some pretty sensitive subject matter but let's just be as truthful and respectful as possible of the human experience 
And we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Sam Hargrave. Like even looking back at the first one, I, I look back at the, you know, that last, what is it? Five minutes, 10 minutes where there's no dialogue that you can hear. Like that's like the one camera, the shots and all that stuff. Like those are huge, but there's something about that moment. That's like in the pantheon of legends. What's the calling card for this one? Because that seemed like such a special moment in that movie um, artistically. Do you think about that specifically when you were going into this second one? Like, what's that moment going to be? Yeah, I think, I mean, you're, for me, it was is trying to key into the moments between the moments, right? Which for me, the the moments, the marquee moments are, yes, the 21-minute the oneer, the, the crazy roof fight, it's the church fight. What are the, the moments between the moments when characters get to, you know, have those that downtime where it's like their private lives being made public to us. Um, those are the moments I wanted to key in on. And it was really about, it was less about finding the one specific moment to hang a hat on. It was more about trying to be truthful with these relationships and these characters and try to, again, lay bare how they're feeling so we can connect with them deeper. Because then when, when those moments, those quiet moments become real and truthful, we connect as an audience, we go, oh, like, ugh, I felt that. And now I'm much more willing and prepared to go through the fire with them with all these crazy action sequences without, you know, losing interest. So, like, because I'm invested in their journey, I think that was my biggest focus was trying to make sure those moments in between the big action set pieces were truthful and had emotional impact so that we could withstand all of this action, you know, the barrage you're about to see through the whole thing. Yeah, of course, as we said, dropping the ballot in, knowing when to drop the ballot in, and making sure it's not a bathroom break ballot on top of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> such a challenge with these movies, such a challenge. Yeah, I, of course, I got to ask about uh, some of those uh, follow shots, you know, those those one-shotters. Uh, we get a courtyard fight, and we get a car scene basically immediately after. I, I'm just going to ask this in the most generic way I can. How? How did you do that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, some of that, some of that trade secret, some of it's going to come out, I'm sure, in behind the scenes uh, on Netflix, like To Doom or something. But it, truthfully, the, my the 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 gauntlet that was laid down for for me and for the stunt team was, I think Joe wrote in the script, you know, the and now we experience the greatest wonder in cinema history. And you're like, oh well, that thanks for the you know for making the job easy. Uh, or like I think another description of that courtyard fight was in a in a sequence to rival Old Boy, which you know, classic action sequence. So. All that aside, you got to let that go and not be caught up in that. It was like, how do I immerse the audience in this experience as deeply as possible and, and make sure that they come along for the ride? And a lot of that had to do with the, what came before, you know, that first, those 25 minutes before we actually get into that crazy action so that we understand who the characters are, why they're fighting, who, who's involved. And then you can really pull people along and hopefully they'll, it won't be a bathroom break and people will stay with you through that crazy action sequence. And then it becomes like, for me, sticking with the methodology, which is that handheld camera and the feeling of being a character in the movie so that you as the audience get to experience it in an immersive way. Like when, when, when you want to, when something happens to your right and you want to look because you heard something, the camera looks over there. So it's almost intuitive, if you will. And that, that was the kind of the methodology. And I think it's just trying to stay true to that, even though we use a lot of different fun tools to some of those pass on, you know, through cars and we were on the train going from on top to inside. We use a lot of different 
fun toys and tools to achieve those shots. It was still trying to stay true to the original intent, which was immersion for the fans. Yeah. And it feels like that. I mean, I feel like I'm in that. Good. It's, See, that's it's a, so it's the feeling. That's the important thing, right? Like, because you can look mm. back and watch it in third person and go, wow, that's amazing. It's you know, more popcorn, please. But when you feel something, I think when you leave the experience, whether you get up off the couch or walk out of the cinema, it stays with you. And I think that is what we're trying to do so that it, it's not just something you forget about and go like, what's next? You kind of think about it and remember that feeling and go, wow, I, I appreciate that, whether from an emotional level or an artistic one. It's a masterful movie, Sam. Uh, I love it, Extraction 2. I cannot wait to see where this story continues as we are nicely set up uh, towards the end here. So um, thank you for what you're doing on this. Thank you very much. you're doing much. amazing work and thanks for taking the time to talk about it. My pleasure, thanks very much. And again, my thanks to Sam Hargrave and Go Shifty Farahani. Extraction 2 is out now on Netflix. Thanks to you for checking out the series. Again, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Spotify and Apple Podcasts, at uh, npr.org, wfpk.org, or of course YouTube for the video versions anywhere you like to get your podcasts from. You can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And after that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's song premieres. We do some music news, lots of old favorites, and some anniversary spins. A uh, recent episode featured the music of U2 and the Violent Femmes, the Bengals, Liz Fair, Paul Weller, Joni Mitchell, Lou Reed, David Bowie, Juliana Hatfield, Bell and Sebastian, Tori Amos, The Cure, Wax Fang, Susie and the Banshees, and my interview with Go-Go's lead singer, Belinda Carlisle. That's a recent episode of my show every weekday at 6 p.m. at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. Of course, you can also find me on the old social media spots, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.